Welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your hosts and licensed funeral directors, Victor Rubio and Natalie Willis. I'm Victor Rubio. And I am not Natalie Willis. <laughs> you are not. Uh, Natalie is out this week. She has a self-diagnosed bronchitis. <laughs> uh, and on very short notice, the hovering god voice of the podcast, uh, Marissa McHale, Double M's. That is, is me. <laughs> is here to fill in. Big shoes to fill. It's your first time first podcasting. First How does it feel? Um, a little nervous. I didn't even know what a podcast was as of four <laughs> months ago. So interesting, mm-hmm. but we'll try it out. Uh, when I used to have guests on, it used to be like, we'd waste, not waste. We'd fill the first 10 minutes of your experience with six feet under, but you caught six feet under starting at the end of season three. Yes. And I filled in most of the background for you. you. Filled it in well. By the way, Marissa's my girlfriend. and she is the voice on the podcast uh marissa also celebrated digging six feet under's one year anniversary with cool af t-shirts and mugs and i'm the only one in the t-shirt drinking from the mug victor (laughs) victor clearly loved that present hold on i gave you the mug back where's your shirt I need to if wash Natalie it first. If Natalie was here, Natalish, if you were here, you'd be wearing it. I know you would be. She would be. I just hadn't had time to wash it. Just to, uh, and let's give a little bit backstory. If I sound a little bit under the weather, just I just recently getting over being sick. Natalie's really sick. And I'm You're starting getting sick. to get sick. So if I cough or sound funny, that's why. Maybe it's the t-shirts. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that. Last present I get you. So we're here at episode six, Terra Starts at Home, following up the episode from That's My Dog. Um, I have some recap notes from David, fan of the show. Uh, just recapping his email really quick. Um, he wrote something where, if you remember from the prior episode, Rico telling Sophia where he works. Remember when she showed up? It yep. w- and we were just kind of like, why would you tell your yeah. side piece, right? Yeah. I would never do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He wrote, kind of wants to get caught. Hmm. You know, that whole thing of just like people who just like, like self-destructive behavior. I could see that. Brenda sort of did the same thing when she was going through her deal. Uh, David's friend is also a funeral director. And when he watched this episode with him, uh, he had wrote, I understand David is lonely and this guy is kind of cute, but you don't pick up someone in a removal vehicle with a body in the back. I don't care if it's a little old lady holding a puppy. You just wouldn't do it. And me and Natalie were just saying, like, the first thing, the first wrong thing with that entire episode is you would have never picked up that guy. David had also, and I guess this is more for people in Los Angeles, California. David questions the validity of all their driving because they kind of seem to go all over Los Angeles. And if you remember at the end of the episode, they go, shit, I don't know if Long Beach is south or north of Los Angeles. Uh, We also have fan Colton of the podcast and we were questioning how 
does cocaine just make you shit? Yeah, I, I don't know. About so he had wrote he had written in that um, he knows of like inmates. This happens to inmates. Like sort of the same thing happens. And shit, I wish I had the email open, but he had wrote that. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, deal with a lot of people that have used, still use crack cocaine. I've actually had guys shit their pants in my office, and it's not because I'm a scary dude. And what does Colton do? Uh, I don't know if he wanted me to share that. Oh, okay. But I didn't know what office he, you would have that. Right, right. UPS. Yeah, he works at like UPS. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> people are just coming in. Uh, he said he had it. always assumed it was from either A, the toxins in it, or B, and this is where I, it makes a lot more sense for me, um, cause their body s- to speed up their metabolism. Mm. So just instantly. That's why like, everyone's skinny? That's what, that's what exactly what I said. Like, that's just crackhead, skinny, yeah. shit yourself. So nice. um, I guess we could start to get into this episode. Terror starts at home. Our death capsule starts out with this home invasion, like a home robbery. Uh, have you ever... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know that you've never been involved in one. No. Nope. Whether you were robbing or getting robbed. No. Do you, have you ever heard of anyone or like um, know anyone? Actually, like a week ago, um, a good client of mine mm-hmm. said that she just got robbed in her apartment twice in one year. But um, While she was home? No. Oh. She wasn't home both times. Um, but she, I know she lives in a nice place. I know she lives in a gated community. Um, so no, when... My when we lived in New York when I was young, I know that there was a lot of people like a lot of places getting broken into, and that's why we moved. But no, never been involved in that. I don't think I've ever really been robbed per se, but I know recently. Uh, I don't know how to explain this. These like Yeti cups that are like now super super popular. I had one, and one day where 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 I live, my car. Went, I just walked into. I got into my car one morning, and I was like, I knew something was off. And that bottle I carry with me everywhere. And one day I'm like, oh shit, I'm missing it. So I'm like, oh, I probably left it at work. I go to work, it's nowhere. And like my, my, my neighbor had come over and was like, yeah, you know, there's been like a string of robberies in there. And I was like, oh my God. Who steals a cup though? I don't know, but no, but that's a great cup to steal though. Uh, <laughs> I would steal it. You would steal a cup and drink from a cup that you don't uh, even know. Uh, no, but I, I imagine if you're going around stealing, I don't know if like hygiene is at the top of your priorities. Okay. Especially if you're stealing a cup. Steal a cup from like McDonald's. You have some good stuff in your car though. What else could they have stolen? I don't know. But a cup? I have a few cliff bars. There there we go. (laughs) (laughs) So That's a one time use. So in this death capsule, it's rather short, rather cut and dry. The robber takes the laptop, the jewels, we hear an answering machine and we see the person who does Robert Meinhardt, I believe is the name, and gets shot in the head. Meinhardt, I'm sorry. I don't get why the robbers would shoot him. Because you just went from like, I, I don't know the terminology. Probably like, I'm wow, I'm really bad at this. A class A felony to like a class D felony. Like you went from like robbery it, to murder. Isn't it like first degree, third degree? Yeah. yeah. In my, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Shooting in the head, like that's just kind of, I don't know. I was like, he could have just left him. He was tied up. They were good. They were gone. They were good. I kind of just thought that it was like another senseless act for no reason that was kind of just like the entire episode last week right it, it is kind of like yeah and it, it will we'll talk later when david realizes the whole atheist and the whole this guy was literally shot same well almost would have been shot uh our episode starts with david putting on makeup and you know sort of 
I don't know, symbolism, imagery, like literally concealing. Because, you know, we found out. Remember, we had first watched. Let me say this, too. Marissa watches every episode with me. And then we sort of do a quick recap after the episode. Now is the first time we watched the episode together. Took notes together. And now we're recording together. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, so I didn't realize that, that was makeup that he was concealing with? Uh, I thought oh, I, thought it was like Neosporin yeah, or something? Yeah, I thought it was just like an ointment. So then that kind of makes more sense now, yeah. knowing that it's makeup. And remember, like we were like, oh, what did he tell his family? Yeah. And then obviously he didn't tell them anything. And obviously when you see later in the episode that he tells Claire's everything. Uh, Keith's basically trying to do whatever he can. And if you remember, Keith is was a cop and... I mean, guess sort of like his instinct is just sort of like to solve it. Yeah, I think that it has to be hard for both of them because Keith having that cop instinct, like that's just what you want to do. You want to solve it, especially for a loved one. Of course. But then David, I could see just like wants to get on with his life and is like, oh, it's okay. Like, I imagine it's like it's like his entire life and everyone keeps asking. Yeah. It. It's sort of the thing like, hey, are you okay? Are you Nagging okay? question. Right. Yeah, that he just wants to get over it. But Keith, like that's his job. So it's like, how do you like separate the two? But yeah. so I get both of their positions here. Do you get why David isn't telling his family like everything that happened? Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. I feel like at the time, even though it was humil- humiliating, like to have the the wherewithal, the mindset to be like, oh no, I'm just gonna tell him I just got card. I imagine you're just so fucking flustered. Yeah, so, like he's high. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? that's true. He actually. comes back and he's yeah. like, I mean, I guess once he goes through the cops and everything, and once he finally gets back home, well, I guess he goes to date Keith's and yeah. But there's the whole thing. I sort part of me wants to know, and I get why they didn't because then it sort of becomes like a police drama. But how did that all go down? Yeah, where did they find the body? Yeah, I thought. In my memory of the show, I thought they found them getting finding the body and dealing with the family. Because you you can remember, there's a whole that was someone. Yeah, that's a whole wife. like other right. Yeah. David walks in in the morning and his first day back at work. Um, <laughs> the way Ruth sort of nags David about the questions. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's the same thing. Like you were talking with Keith, it's just like David probably just wants to. I think that he just needs to process it himself. And how do you even process it? Because it doesn't make any sense. So None of if it, it, right? So and I, I like I. That's what I would assume that he would just need to process it himself, and he can't talk about it until doing so. And how do you even make sense of it? You can't. Yeah. So, uh, David says to Ruth, you know, Ruth keeps asking him questions about everything, and David. I mean, David sort of is right. He's like he's trying to make this that like it's my fault. Like yeah. I sort of did this. If you remember a prior episode where George had this kid that was just out there, right? <laughs> well, when you, when you do that, you could say on the mic, it's okay. <laughs> she just mouthed George and rolled her eyes. Um, it's kind of funny to see the different parenting from Ruth and George. Yeah. Because Ruth is like, can I call her helicopter? Definitely. Right? And jo- Especially at his age. Right, Definitely. Right. And George is just, so, is just like, yeah, I have a kid out there. No big deal. Yeah, George yeah. sucks. <laughs> but Ruth is just like... You know, two, uh, total opposites. Too, yeah, too much on David. Uh, David sits down with Mrs. Is it Reinhardt or Meinhardt? Meinhardt. I have all of my notes is R. So Mrs. Reinhardt. Uh, the first thing he says to her, do you, do you have this? Yeah. Do you want the cause of death? Right. Yo, what? <laughs> like I don't know. But it just shows that he's out of it. He should not be working right now. He uh, needs to take more time off. He's not as okay as he says he is, I, or as he wants to say he is i guess so i feel like that was sort of like show protocol because there's sometimes they do in this show like from the funeral director angle 
it's like they're not even thinking. I, I, I guess if I didn't even chalk it up to David just being out of it. No, I. Oh my God, I think a thousand percent no, out of it. Right, I think that. Right. I think it was Keith saying, you know, he literally just said, "You need some more time off." Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no, I got this." And clearly, you don't. You're, mm-hmm. you know. And then David mentions that you know, do you want to contact a clergyman? And I guess to your point, you know, proving that he's out of it. Um, Miss Reinhardt said that she's an atheist. Uh, and she also said we just talked about we that. We just talked about it. Yeah. I don't think, though, that atheists don't have, like... Because a clergy person doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a Catholic priest, you know? You could have, you know, whatever, spiritual, or just someone to talk at yeah. a service, you know? I don't know if atheists do any of that, though. Do atheists just not do anything? I think they don't do anything. So agnostic is, like, you don't care. Okay. Like, like you, you could acknowledge it, but you don't care. But I think atheists, like... They don't acknowledge anything. They don't do anything. That, to my knowledge, that's what I think. Hmm. Not totally sure. Uh, when they show, oh, they showed their vi- just a visitation. There was no like actual service per se, right? No. When Nate Nate walks in later to handsome, I guess this is either makeup or neosporin. Uh, on the commentary, by the way, there was commentary by uh, Kate Robin, who's the writer of this episode. Uh, on the commentary, she said that. Well, let me ask you before I say it, what she said. What did you take of that? Like Nate just walking in, handing him something and just being like, hey, I got the shit kicked out of me too and sort of walks away. Um, I didn't really take anything from it. I didn't. I, I took it as just sort of like Nate being like, hey, you know, I'm your brother. Like, I know what this feels like. But on the commentary, she was like, this was Nate letting David know that he's also been through a rough time. Mm. But I, you know, it's funny to think too, is like, we're like all really sympathetic for David now. Yeah. Like, yo, Nate just lost his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay you just roll your eyes when i said that what nate nate just lost his wife yeah but now uh, okay wait what do you mean yeah but so now i'm it's not even like she was like sick she's like got caught she was drowned drowning but it's david (laughs) okay you know good point that's fair that's fair i think that maybe it's just a difference between like men and women Mm -hmm. but if if in the commentary it said that that's like nate stepping up and saying oh here i Mm -hmm. you know i've been through a hard time too i guess that's just like more of a guy approach to it but i did not take anything from it before we get into the storylines of we're going to choose which storyline we're going to go into you said something interesting about like sort of the theme of this episode yeah which is let's see if i remember this so um i have it down because i was going to steal it thanks so it seems that everyone is kind of lying Mm -hmm. or um trying to show this whole facade to their loved ones um and it doesn't seem like their loved ones are believing them Mm -hmm. also with um no and it's a good point that i didn't really pick up on uh but it's like everyone we're, we're going to split this up into everything that happens before the dinner and after the dinner. Where do you want to start with? Who do you want to start with? Take your pick. This is all you. This is you. This is the guest host. Listen, big shoes to fill. Big shoes. Natalie. <laughs> all right, great. We'll start with Nate. There we go. <laughs> I don't have an after dinner scene for Nate, and he fits in more into David's storyline, but uh, Nate finally gets a new job at a doggy daycare of sorts. I what was it? What did George? Oh, uh, it's not a dog channel. Dog retreat. Thank you. Dog vacation paradise. There we go. Dog (laughs) resort. And just sort of, I think we said it in prior episodes that dogs really play into this season. Yeah. Remember, there's the dog Nate found. Literally, the episode's titled "That's That's My my Dog." Dog. And now we have Nate with dog. I feel like there's more dogs that come in later, but 
dogs or, or whatever. Big theme so far. Nate meets, well, I guess Maya. Is her name Maya? I have no clue what her name is. I think is. it actually is Maya, but no, it can't be. It can't be Maya because that's his daughter's name. Oh, too. yeah, definitely not then. Whatever this woman's name is. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, Nate kind of says it, and we'll talk about it a little bit more during the dinner scene, but Nate is sort of like, how old do you think Nate is? Mm. He's got to be like, what, 30, between 35, let's call him 37 and a half. Yeah. Right? Sounds good. Uh, he wants no responsibilities. None. So I told you Alan Ball, creator of the show. Does that remind you of anyone? No. From a, remember Kevin Spacey's character in... Yes, but I don't remember it well. Uh, remember he starts working at like the fast food place? Yes. And he's like, I just want... I was like, when I was like in high school in the 70s, I worked at a burger joint, got paid nothing, and I loved it. Yeah. Sort of like the same thing with Nate. I mean, he's doing it for way different reasons. Yeah, but she even says it's not going to pay much. And he was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Which must be nice where... Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I guess we could get more into Nate when the dinner party comes. Uh, I guess we have the episode on and we have George and Ruth's uh, storyline. What's the first thing George says when he's opening the book? We both laughed and I thought maybe you'd write it down. No, I didn't. The slow murder of the middle class. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking George. They're going to a dinner party and an academic dinner party. And George says the dress code is academic cocktail attire. Which is what exactly? Well, I was going to ask you, is that yeah. a thing? No, that's definitely not a thing. George might be trying to make it a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's definitely not a thing. Uh, George is just being a total dick. Yeah. The way he's just like, well, what am I? I'm going to be wearing this with my brown I love blazer. Though how every time George is being a total dick, you love it. Oh, because it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I read a really funny comment today that someone someone has loves George. But... The thing about this show, the thing that's great about this show is almost the entire cast is largely unlikable. Yes. But you could still love George for being a dick. Because mm. you're right. I laugh at almost everything George said. Everything says. George said this episode, you laughed. But he's a dick. <laughs> Such a dick. And and he's really, really mean to Ruth. Yeah. When he doesn't have to be. And yeah. he should be thankful that he met, this late in life, met someone as great as Ruth. Yeah. Um. But he's still funny. <laughs> mm. Come on. I, I mean, we'll get there. The neti pot. Yeah, that was funny. good. That yeah, was good. But hold on. You could still hate a character. I guess. And yeah. still like enjoy their 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 badness sure. on, 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 on screen or whatever. I won't admit that I like George though. Because <laughs> I don't. don't. Do, right. Um, at the dinner, George introduces Ruth to, I think his name was Mr. Heckles. <laughs> but the way he just leaves Ruth there. Just leaves her. And then she has nothing to talk about except the odd present he got her. I've talked about this on the podcast probably when it first started. I hate small talk. I'm bad at small talk. We've talked about this. You're great at small talk. Great at small talk. <laughs> I am. It's my profession. No, I, I have to be. I know, but just the way you said that is that's why you're great. Because uh, you're like, yeah, I'm bad at small talk. No, I'm good at it. Keep going. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I felt so bad for Ruth. Uh but then here, Ruth is, uh, I guess, on the buffet line or whatever, and she overhears these women talking about George. Nosy Ruth. Uh, the way... Well, first, the, one of the women calls George a raccoon. What's that about? Well, that's what I was going to ask yeah, you. Yeah, don't know. Like, you called me a raccoon once. <laughs> you deserved it, also. <laughs> well, you don't know what it you means. You deserved it, though. But I don't know what it means. Uh, I think... I still stand by. You still? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite 
part. Well, uh, we get sort of the backstory here that George had left this woman without ever saying a word. Yeah. Just one day ghosted her. there and ghosted her. Right. One day and then one day he's gone. Uh, I think my favorite line of this episode is the way Ruth describes this woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's classic Ruth. Do you have it written down? I do, but you know it. No, I don't. Oh, you don't? Well, I know it. What it <laughs> so, you know, George is talking about some geological whatever, and Ruth just responds that, uh, you know, I overheard some thin woman with a mysterious international accent. But the best part about that is George said, oh, actually, like, no, uh, yeah, how did yeah. you know that from that description? No, there's no way. Oh, I, I, I guess international accent if, if, if he's only dated. No, but also when Ruth said, was your ex there? And he was like, no, what are you talking oh, about? Yeah, of course yeah. he knew she was there. But how crazy? Like, well, yeah, I guess if they showed more of the party. I don't know, it was just odd that that whole thing happened and like, this is the first time they're talking about it's it? It's odd that George was like a ladies man. That he's done this to multiple women. You don't think he is attractive in older age? Not at all. Wow. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Do you? Uh, what? Hold on, hold no. on. No, no, hold on, hold on. Not attractive, but I, I, I guess he's interesting in a really boring way. I know, I know that's like, that's clashing. But I'm saying he's like into something that probably no one else is. I know, but you're you're probably looking at it from like our angle. Like I guess. I guess when you're older to just find someone who's not But the people on the buffet line weren't even that old. They didn't they didn't seem that old. Right. No, I I mean listen. I, I was I just shocked that she maybe it's was like upset m- about Maybe it's that George. whole like power play where because he's apparently he's like a really big deal in the geological field and just the Ooh. power that comes with it. Oh, oh that, there's a lot of power there. I know. <laughs> uh, um, you know, the, b- before the dinner, Ruth is really, really wants to know what happened. Uh, a lot of tension. Why? I mean, I, I, I know that I know the answer. Why? Why does she want to know so much? And not asking, does she have a right? What I'm saying is like, what's the point of Ruth knowing? Because what yeah. if he's like. I just straight up didn't like her anymore. Right. Now what is Ruth going to do with that information? Right. But that's what I'm saying. George sort of has a point where he's like, what does it matter? Right. No, George totally has a point. But I think that like as a woman, I like feel for Ruth too. And I kind of get where she's coming from. Like just like wanting to know. But I think that it's almost wanting to know not really what happened with him and his ex. But more exes. of exes, <laughs> but more of like reassuring that it's not going to happen to her. I think that's like more where she's getting at because she was saying, I don't know if this is later on in the episode. I don't know. I'm new at this, guys. Mm-hmm. But I, she was saying, <laughs> um, you know, like she thought that she was in the present too. And, and now she's in the past. It's like, right. you know, like she was definitely saying, like, could that happen to me? Mm-hmm. And I think all she wanted was George to say, like, like reaffirm. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen to you. Like whatever. Yeah, and instead. Point. He yelled at her. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't work out. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up with their storyline after dinner. Let's move to uh, Rico. And we start with Rico. Rico Suave. Rico Suave. We start with Rico forgetting David's birthday party and that Vanessa gets a babysitter for the night. A lot of, a, a lot of when, when you talk about this show and you talk about the characters, it's almost universal. Everyone hates Rico. Now, you have like a sort of jade view of Rico because you kind of picked up yeah. mid-Rico. 
What's your take on Rico? So it's really funny that you just said that because I kind of liked Rico. Mm -hmm. Like I actually like I just came in and I kind of liked him. But um, clearly now that I've seen more episodes, I'm not the biggest fan. But I yeah, he didn't bother me at all. I thought that there were a lot of other characters that I did not like more so or gave me more of a vibe of like, oh, than Rico. Um, Now that's changing. But it's funny that. That he kind of has that... Um, Rico and Nate get cast. the most hate on the show. Like Nate, it's, for sure. See, that's crazy. See, I've always... I never... I always say, and I already said on this podcast once already, that it, it's a whole group of largely unlikely characters. I don't really hate anyone on the show. I feel like everyone has their own... But like any person, every person has like a good upside and a, you know, yeah. a downside, whatever. Uh, it Nate just makes it hard for me to feel bad for him. Yeah, but fair that's, enough. That's... His wife died. No big deal. Um, <laughs> this part, um, <laughs> we're going to pause it here. We're watching this live as I do with when we record. Um, you're going to fill in here as the other funeral director. Got it. Um, Done. We see, the next time we see Rico, he's basically stuffing cotton into Mr. Meinhardt's head. Is this what you usually do? Definitely. <laughs> all the time. Marisha is not a funeral director, so... And also, by the way, um, when Victor first told me about his job, he said, oh, you know, it's nothing like you could imagine. It's nothing, you know, it's it's totally not as bad as you would think, you know, or whatever image you have in your head. And if this is what it's like, yeah. I, and, and, and fair enough. I just, <laughs> I imagine people think it's a lot more gruesome than this. You think this is really gruesome? I, I think I yelled both times this scene came on the screen. <laughs> yes, so yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, well, let me, let me let's start here for where he was shot. Well, let me say this: this is a r rather really accurate depiction okay. of uh, an autopsied head. Like this is really spot on. The only thing that's not is the noises it makes, but that's just to add some like gross factor to it. Got it. Um, so in real life, quieter. Quieter. Got yes. it. Not as much. I don't want to say the word. Don't. Yeah. Rhymes with schmoist. <laughs> I think I just said it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely said it. Uh, um, this is a rather uh, accurate description of it. Uh, the only thing, basically, we see Rico stuffs cotton into like uh, the bottom of the skull and then puts the, the skull cap, which is the remaining part of the skull, back on. The only, the only thing he would have done differently here is, well, first, let me say this. Where the person was shot, that skull would have been like fractured, Ooh. like pieces like a if you drop the plate you know it would kind of be like that um but this is how they autopsy a head um now when, when rico's putting the skull cap back on he would have there's a bunch of different ways to do it he would have glued it back like literally crazy glue you could like sew it back um like legitimately crazy glue like legitimate crazy glue they have this glue it's called aaron alpha which is like glue that we use like okay they say it's special. so it's not actually crazy glue then no it is crazy glue you could you i use it for like everything else but like yeah it's just it's made for this but you know he's doing again like that was my first thing is that this this skull actually would have been been in a, um fractured if you kind of see too they have like ridges in the skull cap kind of how we ha we have it paused you see like that little like mm -hmm. curvature that's just so like it has something to grip on when you put it back you know uh david comes in and rico decides to go make a phone call mm-hmm 
and Rico's just like, hey, finish this. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I, I, don't, I don't know how, it'd be like if you're in the middle of an oil change. Yeah. I'm just trying to, just trying to compare it to something and someone's just like, hey, you got the rest of this? Thanks, bro. And you just leave them. Like, Yo, that takes a lot of time to, because so, from there, you see the bottom of the, 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 the head flap, it's sewn together, like with yeah. ligature and everything. No, it um, definitely does not look anywhere close to being done. So. And by the way, if you are curious uh, where his brain is, it is in the uh, organ bag, which is probably inside of him. In case you were wondering. I was really curious about that. You were. Okay. Yeah, thanks. But yeah. Uh, just I just hated the way Rico. Like, yeah, uh, you know, I don't hate Rico, but the way he just. Oh, let me say this too, because I just realized we have the scene on. You see on the bottom of the screen, you see like two screws. Yeah. Those are actually called, um, not skull caps, screws. Shit, what are they called? Skull caps? Natalie, Damn we need it. you. I know. Come on, Natalie. Damn it. What is it called? They're basically screws that you could actually screw the skull cap in place. And I, it's funny that they have those outside of <laughs> the head when they close it. Um, that's another way if you wanted to crazy glue it instead of that. And this is where we see Rico leaves the wrong voicemail. Yes uh getting sloppy <laughs> getting very sloppy imagine he had said sophia no he'd be done no <laughs> he is done in my in my head he's right so done but i'm saying like if he just he said, uh-uh. but yo he's calling her babe i thought rico's trying to like back out of this did he call her babe yeah because he says hey babe i'm gonna be late oh that's why vanessa's like oh he doesn't say like hey i'm gonna you know but yeah we we, we, we no don't. he's gonna get caught any minute and when you know when when Vanessa brings it up, like, hey, I guess I guess David's dinner party's canceled. And <laughs> seeing Rico's face is just like, oh fuck, what yeah. did I do? And then this huge elaborate lie. Oh, they were changing the times. They were this. They were that. And just going on and on. And you could tell Vanessa was just like, okay, so am I getting the babysitter or not? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, what like, are you going on about? Yeah. Like, uh, yes or no? The way he lied reminds me of do you remember in, in breaking bad when walter white used to lie yes it's the same way so good and then skylar would just sit there like not what the fuck yeah, are you not talking believing anything about? he's saying I, I i just i just found that really funny because that's like i was like oh that's exactly how walter white used to lie uh can you talk because i have to cough yes <coughs> no thank you for talking <laughs> um keep talking start with claire Okay, so there's not really much to say about Claire. Literally worst worst uh, person to put me on. Um, Marissa just tossed me a cough drop, so Natalie's never done that for me, so Ooh, you're one up on Natalie yes. right now. Uh, Anita, Claire's friend, is moving in with her. Claire is in this... Uh, did you ever go through this phase? Like this like super obnoxious the like the possibilities are limitless or endless did you see my 2010 pictures you're what you're 20 yes um, uh no i don't think i mm-hmm. i don't know i don't think i have not not to this extent mm-hmm. obviously it's a show but not to this extent i don't think so have you uh sort of i went through it i wouldn't say like possibilities are limitless, whatever i went through a phase where i really idolized muhammad ali and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be like that brash. I'm going to be that like confident, whatever. And it's all, I'm also like really quiet. I know you don't think I am, but I am really quiet. So it's hard to be don't super quiet and be like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but I think the closest I came You're to You're Muhammad that, Ali in your head? Um, Not anymore. When I was younger, I totally was. But like Muhammad Ali, like 
And when I was younger, I didn't even understand what Muhammad Ali was really about. I was just like, oh man, he's fucking awesome. He tells everyone he's going to beat them in what round, and he beats them in that round and shit. Uh, but that's like the closest I came to it. But you got to imagine too, like Claire's like in art school and all this stuff. Yeah. So like they're supposed to be super yeah. like pretentious and all that. Uh, I had done a podcast episode, me and David, um, where we did uh, how would this show take place in 2017. And just seeing Claire this episode, I would love to see her in like today's political, you know, because if totally they totally typical millennial, <laughs> no, totally. And you, you should be like super feminist. <laughs> and now you're coughing. This is going to be a fun episode. Um, the way Edie turns to Claire and is like, hey, let's make something. Let's Claire. make love. <laughs> yes. She might as well have said that. Definitely. But you just see Claire like, and it's happened like almost every episode, just like the whole, the what, sirens, yeah. the alerts, whatever. Yeah. The art exhibit that they're creating, I have no fucking idea what they're trying to do or On whatever. On Claire's bedroom walls? No, no, because they're, they're trying to create something where these guys are going to paint over here and Anita's going to like... <laughs> Give yeah. people like wristbands, like you know, they're trying to create something. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, and it sounds like it went over your head. Yeah, like I wasn't really paying attention to it. I feel like I'm. I, I I say it almost every podcast. I have no idea about art. Like I don't get art enough to know what what the hell they're talking about. But I do like the way they kind of like game plan and they all like yeah. So you're gonna and do they're this, all super so you're into paint. it. They're all yeah. like you know. So that's cool, I guess. But um, but that's sort of them like exploring right their artistry or whatever. Definitely. Typical uh, art kids. Typical art kids. They take AMT. Do you know what AMT is? Is it? I thought it was EMT. I know that's AMT. a paramedic. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I had AMT up before what exactly it is, but it describes it as, which is like X, but groovier. Groovier. When is the last time you took X? Last week. Okay. Um, was it as trippy as this? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but if I ever took drugs i would totally expect it to be exactly how they portrayed it that's which, a thousand percent how which one the threesome or the paint on the both. hands okay <laughs> that is exactly how i would think it would be uh i think i would totally be with the paint yo have you ever done that put your hand in paint like that no that seems like i you know, the whole, I don't know what's this called, but like when you're like little, you see something hot, you want to like touch it. And that's how you realize like you get like your senses and whatnot. Okay. I kind of want to do that with paint. That's funny because when we watched it and they did that, you're like, ew. Oh yeah, but I still want to do it. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it's like squishing a bug. Got it. You know, but you kind of want to do it even though it's gross. I think you squish a bug because you have to do it. But it's also, there's like a little bit of a mm. cool factor. No. Um... And here we get the title card of the episode where we see that they're painting in the house. Terror starts at home. Uh, the song that they're all singing. Have you heard it prior to this episode? No. Do you know the artist? No. Death Cab for Cutie? Oh, no I way. Feel like, I feel like you. That's your, that's your band. That's Death Cab for Cutie? Yeah. I, it says so on the internet. Maybe it's a cover. I would... Uh, I don't... At least we're not doing a podcast on the show. We're yeah. supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <coughs> I think it is. It doesn't sound like Death Cab for Cutie. All right, well, well, he has a very distinct voice. Uh huh. And I, I mean, it totally could be, but right. he has a very distinct voice, and I would, I would be very surprised. You want to sing it? No. I need. I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, a good attempt. Thanks. My my voice. I'll start coughing later. Yeah. Um, We're out of cough drops. <laughs> yes, we are out of cough drops. 
I think we could start. Well, let's leave Brenda, Brenda to the end. Let's start with the dinner scene. Uh, as I was telling you, the dinner scenes in Six Feet Under are like the best scenes of the show and whatnot. Uh, when they start the dinner scene, David is putting in <laughs> new contacts into his phone. And George being ever so supportive. That's <laughs> the good part of getting robbed, right? Yeah. The new devices. Um, but here, you know, D- David says like, hey, yuck, yeah, maybe I'll get robbed again. Um, Keith and Ruth look at each other. Yeah. What do you think that look was about? I think it's both of them being worried and both of them being concerned and them knowing that he's not okay, mm-hmm. but they maybe don't know what to do. I, I, yeah, because I mean, they're, they're doing dishes later. And it's sort of the same thing where it's like, I mean, that's hey, like I, I feel like in, okay. I feel like that's like in every family when you know someone's going through a tough time and every single family member is talking about them, but you right. try to act like you're not, you yeah. know. But I mean, that's that's family. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is performed by Death Cab for Cutie, and it's called Transatlanticism. So yeah, I think that is Death Cab for Cutie. At least I didn't hijack the episode. Are you looking it up now? Yeah. Do you not believe me? <laughs> I'm on IMDb. Like, I'm not... Oh, the end-all, be-all. Never mind. Actually, it's the Internet Movie Database. There we go. Um, Keith is talking about how good or, or basically how much fun he's having at his job. You know, they're all asking him questions about Celeste and whatever, and Keith is just... It's kind of like... I, I guess I'd say glowing about how much he, he's... Yeah. David looks at him and smiles. What did you take from that? So um, I don't know if it was necessarily from this scene in particular, uh-huh. but from the entire dinner scene as a whole, I kind of took it as like, this is David's birthday dinner and he seems to be having the worst time wow. and talking the least, which also kind of stereotypical family dinner when it's about yourself. and It's, it's about everything Yeah, else. and yeah. it's about every Like that's just like <laughs> typical family. So that's kind of what I took it as. Um just you know everyone else is talking having a great time you know and dave it's his birthday and he's kind of just sitting there looking totally miserable Uh uh-huh yes i agree with you and definitely like kind of like funerals and weddings are about everyone else except for person the only reason i ask is because i sort of took it the same way when we first watched it but then when i listened to the commentary the writer was like david is really happy to see keith happy sort of the backstory to keith though is that like he kind of hated his job as a he, he liked his job as a cop but his security he really hated and here he feels like he has a purpose which is ironic because it's like being a, a security yeah, for, the least. <laughs> for britney spears whatever parody um but the reason why I, I i'm getting into that is because i think later when david is like hey go on your job go go back on tour whatever i think because david sees how much keith likes it and he wants to be like like, like no and more importantly, David wants his house in the pool, but... Yeah, and I think that also David, again, like how earlier in the episode he was saying he almost is blaming himself for all this. I think right. David wants everything to go back to normal. True, he wants true. Keith to go back to work. Like, every, just, just go back to normal. Back like, in. let's just ignore that this ever happened. Uh, Ruth makes pumpkin molligatoni. That looked so gross. Really gross. Do you know what David's favorite food is? Type of food? Indian Natalie. There you go. Shout out to Natalicious. Um, I guess enough said, right? <laughs> uh, the way Rico asks how Nate's jobs go in, they're sort of like resent there because yeah. Nate just got to leave <laughs> leave yeah. the funeral home and just like everyone, you go do your own thing and I'm just going to you know take care of dogs. 
uh, and you definitely see the resent from David because he kind of just stares at him like, oh, that's great. You yeah. Know? Uh, <laughs> Claire says to Ruth, why do you deny yourself so much? And Claire just says, because I'd have children. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like everyone in their room is why she's denied herself. And I guess George is sort of her um, not denying herself. And poor Ruth, look what that got her. Gross. The whole dishes part. Her what being you- a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Claire? Yes. Um, it turns out the writer is like, she like stamped herself a feminist. And she wanted to make a point how it's like, only women do the dishes. So just she's going to make it, make a scene of it, literally, uh-huh. you know. Um, that being said, who does the dishes between you and me? The dishwasher. Uh, wait. <laughs> who puts them in the dishwasher? Okay, you do. And, and when, when, when... You do. Yeah. Thank you. It's nice Thank you. It, it's nice when it goes scripted, right? <laughs> um, when, when Ruth and Vanessa are doing dishes, Ruth spills the beans spills the beans and what do i always say about people like ruth snitches get stitches nice look at you damn right i listen you really do uh ruth is really innocent and she just thinks yeah i don't know why she would think do you think she gets it like right after she says it do you think she realizes like what she just did or i almost feel like she doesn't even realize it i don't think she realizes because it's not like vanessa's like yeah who and you I don't know? think that she would think that Rico's cheating. No, of course not. So she and, doesn't think anything of it. And furthermore, like, Vanessa doesn't even know. Mm. Van- no, I mean, she knows something's up. But she's not like, oh, Rico's been cheating on me with this woman that he met at a strip club. She's just like, who's Sophia? Yeah, but once... Red flag. Yeah, once Ruth... Once that conversation comes up, Ruth or Vanessa totally knows. No, no, she's on, she's on to it. Yeah. She's on to it. And, and we'll talk about that scene, you know, after, after the dinner party. Uh, David is opening his presents. He gets a watch from Keith and this neti pot. It's so good. And it's very time sensitive. I've been clogged up all this week. I could have used a neti pot. Natalie, her self-diagnosed bronchitis, she could, she could have used the neti pot. I used my neti pot. You have a neti pot? I took a picture of it and I sent it to you and you texted back nice. Yo, you're George here and I'm Ruth. Why are you hiding this from me? <laughs> I didn't know you had a neti pot. So the thing that I sent you, it's it's a neti pot, but it, it's not the actual pot. Like they have they have a neti pot that's the actual pot of like what he you gave sent me a David. Picture of you writing, get better, sissy. That, but also before <laughs> that, I sent you a picture of. Oh, okay, so it looks yes, and you said nice, and I and then I think I even said like. Like I'm George or something. Oh, you did. Yeah. So he's, you are George. Yeah. Um. No, but so it looks essentially like it's a. You just straight up pour it in your nose. Okay. So it, there's actually like a thing behind it. Um. So it, okay, but essentially the bottle it like looks just like a big squirt bottle. So you fill it up. It ha- they comes with uh, salt packets. You put the packet in it. You fill it up with like warm water. You put it on one side of your nose and you have to breathe really slowly. Um. With your mouth open. What? And then it just goes through one side and out the other side. So you're just dribbling water out your nose? It's like not dribbling though. It's like stream. Gushing? Stream. And it doesn't hurt? Doesn't hurt at all. It actually kind of feels good. The only bad part about it, um, and I hope this happens to other people. You don't normally talk about like neti pot uses with no, people. This is the neti pot podcast. This is the neti pot <laughs> podcast. So 
right after you do it, I guess water can kind of get stuck like in the bridge of your nose, but it doesn't feel bad. Like you don't notice anything of it. But if like, like maybe like a half an hour later, you're bending down to do something, water could just <laughs> come right out. And like, it's happened to me so many times. And I'm like, oh my God. And I only use it when I'm sick, but it's, yeah, that's kind of, that's the one bad part about it. I think it. I want to use it this week and report on how it went next you should, week. You should. We're going to do that. And Natalie will report on her mouth guard. Yes, her mouth guard. There we go. That she still hasn't got. Um, do you have written down what Ruth calls it? Because I think this is my second favorite. Oh no! Line. Her nostril pot. Yes, <laughs> that is good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then here also too about the 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 nostril pot. Ruth explodes at George yes. at dinner, and kind of like you said, George is like kind of literally hiding everything from her. Yeah. And it's so funny. And I guess this is how it happens like in relationships in real life, right? Like she explodes at him about the neti pot, but it's really about oh, yeah. mysterious accents yeah. of women and whatnot. Um, you know, when we watched it before, uh, the way Jake was so irrational last week in, the, in, the, in that episode, George has sort of become, the, I mean, obviously not as like torturistic, torturous. That's a word. Yeah. But George has all of a sudden just become largely irrational. Just like yeah. fucking crazy. And you have yeah. no idea where it's coming from or yeah. whatever. I guess we could... Um, let's return now that we are at the after dinner scene. Let's finish up with Rico. Uh, when Vanessa confronts Rico about it later. Rico's lie. Crazy. On a scale from 1 to 10. What, 15. How, 15. How do you... Oh. Wait, no. 10 is being good. Oh, that's a whoa, great lie. whoa, what? No, that's like, hey, 10, that's a great lie. Oh, then negative five. Negative five. Yes. Wow. First off, Vanessa totally doesn't buy any of it. She, I think, wants to. Mm-hmm. She really wants to believe in him, but she doesn't believe any of it. But how do you bring religion and charity work into your lie about <laughs> cheating on yes. your wife? Uh, well, here's the thing about religion, though, is like the first thing Rico did after when he met Sophia is right. he went to a church. Yeah. You know? Um, but still. I think that's the show's way of being like, yeah, religion is kind of silly. You know? Like, you're just going to go confess. Again, we don't have to get into like religion and all right. that, but I feel like that's the show's. Uh, I want to mention one thing if we could go back to the dinner scene when I forget his name. The guy from Party of Five or. Yeah, like, I forget his name. He walks and in just like. Wait. Hey, can we get a tart? Yeah. <laughs> just the way everyone looks at each other, like, yeah, there's something. We did, what we didn't talk about is how high Claire is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and again, it's like with every six feet under dinner scene that someone's high. Because you remember there was a scene where uh, I believe Nate was high, and I believe there was a, scene, a, a dinner scene where Nate and Brenda are drunk during it. Um, and I feel like we should have mentioned that during this dinner scene. Yes, I, I think I think I think Vanessa. I think she's not like 100%. Like if you asked her right there, is Rico cheating on you? I feel like she doesn't have enough to be like, to like put her marriage on it. Right. But she knows, they're like where there's she knows smoke, he's there's lying. fire. Right, yeah. right. Um, I think the worst part of it, and I, Rico's now using her depression yeah. against her. I didn't even think about that too. And that's like, that's almost as bad as the cheating. Yeah. And, well, we talked about the cheating, uh, you know, is that, the physical part isn't even that bad. It's just like this time he's spending right. with her. Um, now using the depression against her, it's like, yo. <laughs> yeah. It's really, that's really shitty for Rico to do. 
But I guess when you're kind of backed into a corner like that, you're not. I you're not guess. like. You're not like. Hey, I'm gonna cheat on her, but I'm gonna like make my lie like right. You know, you're, you're grasping at anything. Yeah, and you know, on the spot, he has no idea what why Rico is asking that why uh, Vanessa is asking right. Rico. Um, I guess we could close out Claire's um, little party uh, storyline too. Claire comes back from dinner and says. And I was like, hey, how was your dinner? And she goes, I really connected with my family. So funny. <laughs> so and opposite. She def- and she definitely didn't, which makes it great. Um, Edie and Claire have a photo shoot on the lawn. Have you ever played Rolling Pin? I was going to ask you that. Sucker. <coughs> I apologize for the amount of coughing and sniffling on this episode. Uh, I played it in the snow. Oh, that sounds like fun. It actually is fun. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what the fuck did I do this for? It's so cold. What? No. (laughs) So I've never played rolling pin, but I played bulldozer. Whoa, what's bulldozer? Okay. So you're laying in bed with someone and you're just, you know, hanging out, whatever, watching a movie. Then all of a sudden you just yell bulldozer and you literally just roll and roll them off the bed. Like you push them? Yes. You bulldoze them off the bed. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then also when I was little... My sister and I, um, when we would go on car, uh, my brother is seven years older. So whenever we would go on family vacations, I feel like he, for whatever reason, just wasn't there. Like, I guess he was already in college, whatever. But um, whenever we would go on family vacations, my sister would say, hey, let's play bunk beds. And I was like, yes. Like, my sister wants to do something with me. And she would make me lay on the floor of the car. And she would have the entire <laughs> back seat of the car. Sucka. Yeah. So that also, for whatever reason, made me think of Rolling Pin. That's funny. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've, um, yeah, I've never played rolling pin or bulldozer or. I thought you did play rolling pin. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, rolling pin, rolling pin. Yeah. Uh, in the snow, I have. Uh, bulldozer is good. You totally thought they were gonna make out. Totally. Edie and Claire. Totally. And I feel like they did off camera. What? No, I mean like like they kind of behind like the scenes behind BTS? the scenes. Uh, yeah, but I guess that's probably after the L cut. Um. I guess the closeout also Ruth and George after dinner uh, um, <laughs> poor Ruth is just like you know combing her hair and George just straight up goes to bed um, when, when have you seen Frances Conroy in anything else no this is Ruth no she was in um, American Horror Story oh we talked about this before yeah Han- uh-huh. go ahead I think she was in... Um, She's been in a bunch of stuff. I think she was in Coven, possibly. Yeah, probably. Okay. They say by far she's the best actress on the show because she's mm. she's able to go from like sobbing hysterical and then like cut. And she's like, how was that? It's kind of like scary that someone yeah. can be that good of an actor, you know? Um, I don't know, but when they show Ruth with her hair down, I feel she's like a totally different person. Like way prettier? Uh, I, I wasn't even... Co- not even that. I feel like she's more vulnerable. Hmm. You know, I don't know. She, I just feel like she's like more open when she does that. And just the way George is like, yep, I'm out of here. Out of bed. Yeah. And even George is like, hey, what do you want me to do? Sit here and watch you? He's just a total dick. Total dick. Love him. I know. You laughed, <laughs> you laughed at that also, I think. Um, when, I guess, could we call this a throwdown? When, when Ruth asks George if he's available for chopping. Yeah. The throwdown. The throwdown. Um... <laughs> Again, it's just sort of recycling the conversation before that. George just wants to be there with Ruth. And whatever they are, the past doesn't matter. Just the way... 
I, I don't know. It, it's really difficult from where George is coming from to where Ruth is, you know, just the way they're like literally headbutting. Yeah. Well, they're not literally, but um, one of them needs to just just give it in. I know, but like, who, who folds? Like the woman who married this guy who thought everything was fine. But you know what, too, though? Ruth is older. He had six divorces. Yo, you know. Yeah, that's like, true. You kind of, yeah. you know, this yeah. wasn't like a 25. You guys are like yeah. 30 years old. Yeah. And yeah. this, you know, six divorces. I mean, shit, that's. That's six times you got married. Yeah. And then you ended it, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like you can't... And it's a TV show, right? Yeah. So it's just like you're suppo- he's supposed to come But with she's baggage. to the point where she's like making herself crazy that it's either like you're like shit or get off the pot. Like mm-hmm. like you're going to have to stop going crazy and stop asking him all these questions or and like just get over it. Just move on. But that's kind of like what George is saying. Like what does it matter? Like, you know? Yeah, but George is like... I mean, he's doing it the totally wrong yeah. way. Like he can, but like, what does it matter? You know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we could agree that you know to do it a lot nicer. Uh, another part where I laughed. You know what? I take that back. When I said earlier, what was the line I really liked? Uh, fuck. What was it? I said it earlier. Oh, when he when the way Ruth describes inter- international woman with a mysterious yes. accent. Uh, I think my my favorite line is when Ruth says, you know, why did you leave all those women? <laughs> and George says, because they asked too many fucking questions. Yeah, you loved that one. Great that was line. a knee slapper. Great line. That was a knee slapper. Great line. I won't ask you any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's my, that's, that for this episode, their storyline, that's my final takeaway is like, Ruth should have known better. She should be, she should be tackling it. While George definitely should be handling it better. Yeah. So should Ruth. Yeah. Like she kind of knows, you know. Let's see if we and we're gonna handle finish out David's storyline, but I think we finished everyone else. Uh, we could finish out with uh, David's storyline. Um, we can get there. You want to get there? We'll get there. Uh, after dinner, Keith gets called into work, and again, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Just that I think David's really happy with with Keith, and that's why you know to let him go back to work and whatnot. Where do you stand? Should David should Keith go back to work or should he stay? Okay, so. In my opinion, I feel like David, again, is kind of taking on a lot of his stress and a lot of the pressure from everything that just happened, but he's kind of wanting everything to go back to normal. So he's saying, no, 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 go back to work. But I feel that Keith needs to be there for him. Right. But I think that um, Keith going back to work, he's just doing what David said. So I don't fault Keith for that. I think that it was nice that Keith originally said, like, no, I can't go back. Yeah. But I, I think that David I needs him. I can't go back, dog. Dog. That's <laughs> right. Um, but I think that it, it was good for David to say go back. And it was, you know, um, David trying to be, you know, kind of stronger for his significant other. But I think that he needs Keith now. Well, when you couple that with what happens at the visitation, because while David is standing by the casket. And by the way, that doesn't happen. If you're working a visitation, you're not standing by the casket like you're a security guard. <laughs> like, the show does that weirdly sometimes. Because don't forget, too, he's also staying at the back of the room. Like, why would you stand right up there? Yeah, why the would casket? you do that? It's Come just on. weird. Um, but obviously, television, and this is where David hears that this guy was shot during a uh, uh, boat. boat blah. Whoa, what just happened? That was all you. Bull burglary. <laughs> I did not even know where you were going with that. I can't say that word. Say it. Burglary. Burglary. The hamburglar. Uh, I've never seen a panic attack in real life. Have you? 
Um, no. And I kind of, this is going to sound really bad. I kind of like didn't really believe in panic attacks for like the longest time. Like, oh, okay. This is like another like newfound diagnosis. But I really think I, I am a believer now. But no, I have not seen one in real life. I've never, I think I've seen one in real life. I don't know if someone was just hyperventilating, but I think Michael C. Hall plays a great definitely uh, um, panic attack uh we'll get to the brenda storyline but i think it's interesting to mention it happens at the same time brenda has her sort of panic attack at the same time david starts hyperventilating or whatever the bed starts falling on brenda okay so this is where i really actually wanted to get to we'll get there we'll get there in the brenda joe storyline i just wanted to mention that it happens at the same time let's finish out with david okay cool uh, David called 911 because he thought he was dying. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up to mention that I know someone once who smoked pot for the first time and got so high they called 911 because no. they thought they were dying. No. That's <laughs> it's like, so bad. That's so funny. Oh Can you imagine like 911 no. with your emergency? I'm high. No. <laughs> uh, this scene with Claire and David, I thought it was really touching as like, you know, I thought it was siblings. really good. Yeah. And it just every once in a while to, to, to realize it on the show the acting is so good, I feel like, yeah. when they do these scenes, you know. Um, David admits mostly everything to Claire. Why? Closure? I think Claire is the first person that didn't come up with him, like, nagging and questioning and wanting to know every little detail. I think that she genuinely just was sitting next to him to make him feel better and mm-hmm. to just be there for him. And I felt that he felt that and felt welcomed by it and... I think that he's realizing at the end of this episode, especially with the panic attack, that he's not okay. Yeah. And I think that in him realizing he's not okay, he thinks that maybe he does need to reach out to family and her just being the first person that's not nagging him and jumping down his throat. I mean, that's, you know, that's where you're going to feel comfortable talking. Uh, David, David says the line that, you know, it happened to him so long that, you know, to realize that he knows nothing. And I think that's sort of why that like atheist line kind of mm-hmm. stuck stuck with me, and more obviously, more importantly, David, because um, it even says, and that it kind of was really sad, and I think also kind of a little silly too. But David says he forgot to pray. Yeah, and that's just kind of like that would have happened whether or not. But yeah, kind of like Claire said, what? I feel like that's you, Victor, <laughs> being like too like cut and dry, too black and white, like. Like, look at what just happened to him. Like, like I'm like, I, I guess you, you, you like, you I'm jokingly mm-hmm. like into like, oh, like knock on wood. Like, oh, you know, like I, like I don't obviously whatever is going to happen is actually going to happen. But in that circumstance, like I could see just kind of like reaching for like these like wildly outlandish things. Like, like make, yeah, yeah you know, whatever sense out of it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, and I'm not, and, and I'm not I, if I was sitting there with David, I'd be like, David, this would have happened either way. Yeah. I'm saying the idea how sad or how hurtful it must be to David to be mm-hmm. like, I fucking forgot to pray. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's kind of what he, you know, um, Claire's gift to David. Yeah. Powerful or like bad timing, like great timing or bad timing. Um, so funny. So the, f- let me, if I could describe the gift, it's a picture of David with the fire behind him, like in a few episodes ago when they burned everything. And it's just a, it's a cool picture. Regardless of good or bad timing. But it's just David in his shirt, uh, uh, tie, looking kind of badass. Looking kind of badass, but also like a little, like definitely vulnerable. Right, right. 
Um, so the first time we watched it, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, total bad timing. Like, <laughs> like man. But then the second time we watched it, I felt that it was kind of empowering and it was kind of almost like you'll get through this. Like, you know, so um, to answer your question, I kind of felt both ways just... I think it was good timing. Yeah. It just kind of to me, I don't know, like, I feel like it was, uh, um, how do I say this? Like a confidence booster, just to kind of see yourself right. in that light, you right. know? Um, Claire figures out that David needs help, and sort of a weird dynamic, you have to picture that Claire's in, because she has to go upstairs or wherever, the next room over, no, she has to go upstairs to tell her brother, who just lost his wife, hey, David needs help. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I'm surprised Nate didn't say it, but Nate's like, no, I don't want any of this shit anymore. And the word, like the powerful words that she says is like, he would do it for you. Yeah. And that's just kind of like, well, fuck, I can't turn you down now. Yeah. Um, like there's no arguing that. Yeah. But just kind of like sort of what happens in this show is like, just one like the first, the first two seasons is kind of really like how the fit, none of the fishers communicate. And then stuff like this happens when, when they do communicate, it's great, mm -hmm. you know, because Claire is like the youngest one is the glue between yeah. helping out David and like even David's face and smile when Nate comes Oh, that was there. like the best. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, David almost wants to cry, but yeah. he can't cry because he's at a funeral, you yeah. know, uh, I thought that was all good stuff. If I thought it was a really good scene. Uh, Brenda and Joe. Yeah. They're moving quick. Yeah. Prior to Brenda having to freak out. Yeah. You think they are moving quick? I'm asking. Um. Oh, so I don't, I would not think that they're moving quick because I think like who's to say what's, you know, a timeline for anyone. Like we're not in that relationship. So who's to say? But Joe just seems way more into it than Brenda. Yes. Uh, okay. My question was going to be, did you pick up that this was too much for Brenda? But yeah. Yes. But the episode prior didn't seem like that. No. Now all of a sudden, yeah. Brenda's just, and it's not even that she's not that into it. She's just sort of like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. It more seems like she's like nonchalant than she is like, let's right. do this. Let's do this. Let's right. do this. She's just like, yeah, let's do this. Cool. But like they were talking about, um, you know, having children and starting a family. And then when they were like about to have sex and she said, oh, do you have a condom? And he's like, well, do we really need that? And she like, like you could tell she's like, yeah, like I want that. Like, you, yeah. like you could tell that she's like not there. About that, did they just there on the spot? Like, yeah, let's have a kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> like, hey, this house that we haven't bought yet. Yeah, pregnant. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting, and you've seen their whole the route their relationship mm -hmm. has taken. That it's kind of crazy that Joe went from like being absolutely perfect, everything Brenda needed at the time, like really patient. Because remember, they had that rule of like no sex, right? And, and he was like okay with it for yeah. the most part and then they went through the whole thing of like that weird sex and joe was just kind of like yeah know, scared or whatever uh to the point where it suffocates brenda <laughs> yeah and, and and you know brenda i think brenda is one of these people that needs chaos in her life yeah and it's sort of shown that you know from the first few seasons um again th there's the scene here where she's out looking for bedding and the things literally suffocate her there is no woman that would have a mental freak out panic attack in Bed Bath and Beyond. Why? That does not make any sense. <laughs> Why? That's it's the like best a, store ever. That's a good time. To yeah. Do that. yeah. And for and for him to be like, oh, I want sheets. I want this. And for her to be like, not battling it, but for her to be like, why? Like, what woman would do that? Brenda's different though. 
Brenda, Brenda is different. Brenda, Brenda's behavior, like I was telling if you. If you ever want to go sheet shopping, down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I used to love Bed Bath & Beyond. And then once I realized how expensive it is. Target. I, no, but the whole fun of being bad, 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 burglary. The whole fun in triple being, B's. The whole fun in being in triple B's is like just how cool it is the store and everything. But it's so like good. also really expensive. Yeah, That's but then you always get the twenty percent. Everyone has. Come that, on, right? don't forget about twenty percent. <laughs> if this comes, out, this is coming out on a Monday. Everyone got their twenty percent yeah. off coupon yesterday. Um, but no woman in their right mind would be like combative of their boyfriend <laughs> being like let's get new sheets let's get new this let's get new that that's like so much fun yeah uh i get the symbolism of like literally you know all the betting sort of suffocating coming down on her did you see carrie no no it's kind of it's sort of shot the same way carrie would just like the blood sort of falls on her and everything um we can sort of close our episode out with brenda coming to the funeral home uh to confess, like what, when she walked in, she walked in to tell Nate she doesn't want it. She's, what do you th- like? Why do you think she walked? She went there after Bed Bath and Beyond, yeah, to do, to do what she got, a kiss from Nate. I guess, yeah. The commentary they had said that they were going to have the scene like them get into like passionate love, sex making, whatever. Um, and they're just kind of like not now, like that's kind of too much, you know. Um. I think, you know, I was sort of explaining to you that Brenda, this is these six episodes is the most different Brenda has ever been. I think it's rather progressive of Brenda to know to be like, while it's shitty to Joe, rather progressive for her to be like, I can't change. I am who I am. Like, there's nothing. If this wasn't going to do it, if this picture perfect guy, Joe and everything. Yeah. Brenda's never going to change. She's always going to. I guess it's why she sort of falls back to Nate. Uh and and us as an audience, we were just kind of waiting for this moment to happen. Uh, why would be Bed Bath and Beyond? Who knows? But you know, uh, one last thing on this. It's interesting to note that Nate sort of wants no responsibilities, right? Right. And Brenda shows up, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> he wants that whole headache back again, and whatever." But what is going to come out of that? Nothing. Like nothing good can come out of that. No. And I feel like I. And again, I'm new to this I'm, i've missed a few seasons but i feel like nate seems to want a significant other he's oh, like um that woman that he was laying in her bed and she was like are you gonna leave now like he Skyler. It seems, okay yes it seems like he wants a relationship or at least a significant other or he wants something um so what's gonna come out of this nothing good is gonna come out of this uh I don't, I think they just sort of both have sort of self-destructive behavior and it's just sort of like, yeah, this feels right. Screw it. Despite, right. despite how horrible it's been and whatnot. Um, to me, it just seems like a waste of time, I guess, but I mean, maybe yeah. sort of that brings us to the end of our episode. Anything else you wanted to add on? I You're think, all good. I think I'm good. Um, we have a question from Colton who I mentioned before in the earlier podcast about the cocaine. Uh, he would listen to another podcast called S-Town. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's a rather big podcast. Um, one of the things that's brought up in the show, the S-Town podcast, uh, is what is done with nipple rings after a person has passed. There's a rumor that the funeral home was told to cut them out and give to the family. I was curious as to what happens with body jewelry after a person has passed. Some people keep things like that a secret from their families, and it may be a huge, to- huge shock 
to find out their daughter has a hood piercing. Oh, God, I didn't realize what a hood piercing was until oh, this. Oh, boy. Or a son had a Prince Albert. Do you know what a Prince Albert yes. is? Um, so, and I guess I have a question then for you, Victor. How would the family find that out anyway? Great question. Uh, so, I, I started typing this back out to Colton, and I just realized this would be a good fun, good question for the, the podcast. Uh, as anyone who does a removal or anything, when you go on scene and even when you're in the hospital, house, hospice, wherever, nursing home, you see jewelry. It's like funeral, the same way Funeral Director 101 is like you never pick up, never have, and you know, you go from place of death back to the funeral home, wherever. You know you're trained. If you ever see jewelry, at least that's how I was trained. You see jewelry, you do your best to give it back to the family. You don't, same thing, uh, if you've ever seen it, you check pockets. People are crazy sometimes, they have a lot of cash mm-hmm. in their pockets, whatever. Uh, you know, something that's a, a $5, a 25 cent ring, that might mean the world to one person. Yeah. Whereas you see it and like, you know, so you got to treat everything as like really super, fa- and there's nothing you could do to replace right. a ring or whatever. So you would ask the family like, hey, you're, you would take it out, honestly. You would take a nipple ring out. What did you ask? Um, how would the family like if they had oh yeah that's how you would know because like hey you know if you go in and you inspect the body and you say hey you see a nipple ring or whatever you'd be like I'm giving you back this if you want it on your loved one you're going to bring it to the funeral home because we're not going to be responsible for losing it or anything like that Um, there's been plenty of times like you give back a ring really hard to take off a ring sometime because a person gets like a demon in their hands and that ring is like, you know, but there's like ways around it. Um, but yeah, like like funeral director rule 101 or removal 101 is like you travel with no jewelry because you don't want to be responsible at all. Even like rosaries, really cheap rosaries, plastic ones that you could hang in your car. You want no part of it. So if someone has their privates pierced, you take it out and I, then you give it to the family? Let's see. I would. I don't want that traveling with that. I don't want to be like responsible for that. Yeah, you have to have that conversation like, hey, you know, if they're insistent on leaving it on, sometimes like with rosaries or like a scapula, whatever, a family would be really insistent. It has to stay with them and you document it. You know, it's part of your notes. Family instructed that I keep it with it. But yeah, I would. I mean, I've never seen it. And if I'm being even more honest, I would never even think to look. Yeah. <laughs> it would never be like, oh, let's check for that Prince Albert. <laughs> yeah, I, it just never would come upon me. A nipple ring, I wouldn't even, if the person is wearing a shirt, I wouldn't even think to check for that unless I saw it like through the shirt, you know? Um, but I thought that was a good question from Colton. Anything else before we wrap up? I believe that's it. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. You did great. Thanks. You're. Wearing your digging six feet on the shirt. <laughs> People can't see that. Um, and, Good. <laughs> and we're drinking from your digging six feet under mug. Uh, if anyone's interested in one, let us know. We uh, we got the hookup right here. Uh, I we guess got the swag. We got the swag. Marissa, thank you again. You're welcome. <laughs> and we will be discussing the dare next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Miss you, Natalie. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Listen to this and all episodes at diggingpodcast.com. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. 
please search and subscribe to us on iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. Thank you.